Greetings, I'm Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. I'm your host, and each episode we interview a city or a county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights for you city managers, county administrators, deputy city managers, so you can learn a little bit more about what's going on in other cities and maybe take a little morsel away each time to make your job a little easier, a little better, come up with some ideas and say, hey, that's something I may want to try. Our guest on this episode, episode number 66, is Mike Herr. And this is a first for the podcast in that episode 65 was with Derek Fiatcher, who is the current city manager of the city of Daytona Beach, but was the city manager of Winter Haven. Uh, and and it really during an important uh, transition period for downtown Winter Haven, which, as we talked about in that episode, was kind of a dilapidated, vacated, old downtown, and through a public-private partnership began the redevelopment. Well, we're fortunate to have the current city manager, Mike Herr of Winter Haven. And I want to just jump right into it, Mike, because the redevelopment of downtown Winter Haven is really an incredible story, a, a, a good example of how to utilize a CRA, right, and a public-private partnership. So you come on the scene, and you're, you're now watching this growth occur. What, what, tell me a little bit about that journey. Sure. Good question. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to join the FCCMA podcast. I, I come at this current assignment from kind of a unique perspective, the, uh, that perspective being uh, I have worked in Polk County the largest part of my career, serving as the county's transportation director and as county manager for Polk County government. That was a period of 13 years. I also was town manager of Dundee, Florida, which is a, a small community to the east of Winter Haven. That time span was from 1980 to 85. uh, My tenure in county government was from 1998 to 2010. While town manager of Dundee, I traveled through Winter Haven a lot. Uh, In fact, uh, my wife and I, we lived in Winter Haven, and we had to live within seven miles of the community that I served. Is that in the charter of Dundee? Uh, No, I think that was just an expectation. It's uh, so, an odd number to say you have to live within seven miles. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Lucky seven, right? There you go. Uh, but um, I remember what Winter Haven was like 40 years ago. 40 years ago, uh, an older downtown, uh, more vacancies, storefronts were vacant, uh, and not an attractive appearance. Today, it is a vibrant focal point of our city. We have no vacancies downtown. We have attractive storefronts. Uh, We have uh, younger employment, uh, people that are younger, um, probably 25 to 35 working downtown. Uh, We have plenty of nightlife. At noontime, you can't find a parking space. Restaurants are packed. It's a fun place to be. What generated that? Well, we're very fortunate to have a private sector partner in 610 Corporation, the uh, Bud Strang, uh, and other investors, but, but Bud's the front person and CEO. His father served on the city commission uh, many years ago. The, uh, his father was a visionary. Uh, and Bud, uh, Bud is a visionary. 
Bud, when he makes an investment and when his team makes an investment, it's about am I adding value to the community that I was raised in? It, it wasn't, it's not about making the bottom line first and then am I making a contribution to the future of my city. It's about am I making a contribution to the sustainability from an economic development perspective. So therefore, you know, great partner, great partner. You know, it's funny, we, we talk a lot about public-private partnerships. It's mm -hmm. become, you know, just a word. But in this regard, what strikes me is this was a true partnership. It wasn't just, you know, a, a piece of paper. And he wanted to help. You guys wanted to help him. And it's, and it's yielded incredible results. Well, I think there's... I think there's been, there's been two major investments prior to my arrival, uh, but I think there's been two major investments that help drive this public-private partnership that, that other city managers uh, have been responsible for developing. I've had the pleasure of inheriting. And I give You've been there since 2017, so you're about five years on the job. I'm five years, June 12th. The, um, first of all, the city made a, made a commitment to building a new library smack dab right in the middle of downtown. The, uh, the uh, library is a focal point. It is busy day in and day out. It's a downtown learning center. By the way, pause on that. You know, uh, Altamont Springs, uh, Winter, Winter, uh, Winter Park, uh, Palm Beach, West Palm, all investing in libraries. I would have thought libraries were going to go by the way, the dodo, but they're now becoming more community centers, gathering places where there's a lack thereof outside of a coffee shop for people to engage and do things. It's no longer about, shh, while I read my book. They're more in engage community engagement centers. They are community engagement centers. In fact, we have a, a, a beautiful community meeting room that is used quite often by people that, that want to gather and, and talk about uh, different issues or not-for-profits uh, use our community meeting room quite often. The other aspect of this that I think is very important the, uh, uh, we have Richard's Coffee Shop in the library. And so when you walk into the library, you know, the, the coffee aroma, you know, first of all, sets the stage. And you go in, and that's another aspect to community gathering. Boy, what a statement, because back in the day when you and I grew up, right? Oh, my goodness. The, uh, <laughs> the, the library was a place of, of sterility and quietness. Absolutely. And you just sit there and read. And then when you walk in, you smell coffee. It immediately says something different to you, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, a place of gathering, a place for conversation. Um, a place of caffeine. The, a place for caffeine. Uh, they have great tea. Uh, wonderful sandwiches, good salads. A uh, great place for breakfast. Uh, and then... Uh, the, uh, you also, they have their, the, the, the front area outside, uh, there's a, a great gathering place there as well. And so it's a the decision to locate the library where the city did uh, was, was kind of the start from a public sector partnership. Mm -hmm. The second major decision that was made, I think in 2012 or thereabouts, the city decided to, to build a parking garage. Well, the city was very thoughtful about what they wanted that parking garage to look like. There are parking garages that you can build that look like they were in the 1960s. Yeah, the brutist, the brutist uh, exactly. yeah, architecture. Or, or you can build a parking garage uh, that has the qualities of store, a variety of storefronts that appear on the outside, on the exterior of the parking garage. And so let's give this parking garage some character. Let's make it look nice. Let's make it make sure it, it, 
it really coincides with the aesthetic appearance that we want in downtown. You're seeing this all over Fort Lauderdale. Are, they have waves yeah. on the side. Disney Springs had those beautiful plants cascading down the sides. You know, parking lots used to be an eyesore that you try to hide away or put far away from where people could see it. Now with new architectural designs, they do. They look beautiful. Well, or less ugly. <laughs> sure. And, and so now the, the 610 Corporation, we, we have a vibrant downtown. Um, we, have, we have businesses. The, we have people that are smart business people. They know how to run a business. Uh, and during the pandemic of 2020, the, uh, the, the only businesses that closed were the ones that were closed as part of the pandemic strategy. The, no, every business has reopened uh, since then, since 2020. We lost no businesses. So and what I, do you attribute that to? Uh, I think we attribute that to uh, the uh, smart business people that we have downtown that have chosen to invest and open a small business. And they have been wise with respect to their merchandising, um, the people that they hire, uh, and the, the decisions that they make day in and day out. You know, it's funny you say that. We also have a strong Main Street. We, yeah, Main Street we, we believed too. that with, you know, first it was Walmart and Target and the big box stores, and now with Amazon and other online retailers, that that would be the death of the small business. But you just said something there that, that triggered me, which is, no, there's, there's thriving bike stores uh, in America, and in fact, you know, the higher-end, better bike stores that build quality machines or sell quality machines, um, are thriving, uh, and they're not, they're not trying to sell to the low-end, you know, mail-order bikes. They're selling good quality stuff that you can touch and feel, and so they're thriving. So you said they're smart businesses. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna succeed. Look, I can make coffee at the house, and I do, and I make good coffee, but there's nothing like sitting in a coffee shop, going out, getting a scone, and enjoying, you know, tapping on the computer while you're working in a coffee shop. That's irreplaceable. Absolutely. The, um, all right, so the... 2017. The um, I think part of my part of my professional reputation, the serving as transportation director for Polk County government, the county administrator that hired me at the time said, Mike, he said, we're going to get some new revenue. He said, you're going to have something to work with. He said, I need these projects executed. I said, fine. The, so we put together a plan of how we were going to do that. And probably uh, from 1998 to 2003, we probably pushed out at least uh, uh, probably 10 uh, multi-laning road projects. And we improved 106 intersections around the county. So the, we got all that done because my mission was to let's get, the, get these projects out the door, Mike. So we did, and so probably, um, you know, I had a reputation for being able to execute. So when I came on board, the, we had seven major capital projects to get started and to get done. Uh, and so the, the public-private partnership, the public side now began to expand beyond down, the downtown CRA. This was about getting the uh, phase one of the Lake Maud Park project uh, completed in the northeastern part of our city. Um, this was about getting uh, the South Central Park project south of Central Park in downtown, which was a continuation of that. Because that's the challenge, right? Once you've successfully created a, a core, 
How yeah. do you grow that core without a diminishing the current core, encroaching on you know all those other challenges? And, and it requires having a vision and then obviously a plan. Absolutely. So the the South Central Park project, we developed a communication strategy first of all, because there were going to be a lot of interruptions during the day. You know, businesses were going to be inconvenienced. Yeah, I want a bigger road, road you know, better roads, but I don't want to have to deal with the construction to make that bigger, better right. road. Right. The the beauty of South Central Park. It is. It expanded our our public footprint for major events to occur, and then we uh, completed Magnolia Park, which is a beautiful park. Uh, the uh, people people can can sit there. The walking trail continues. Uh, it's a great place for. Uh, it's a great venue for events. So that park was finished. Tender loving care with respect to that project. That project doesn't. That project isn't successful. It's like we said to the team, I don't care how good this park looks, if we don't communicate with every merchant every day and make sure that they are not inconvenienced and that customers can still walk around downtown and get into businesses, we are not successful. And so the- uh, That's we, interesting. So it's not just a blind infrastructure building. What you're saying is, Yes, we'll do the infrastructure building, but we also have to make sure we tell people what's going on. i got to give you a personal example. So there's a road on my way to work that um, they're doing redoing, and it's taken a long time to redo it. And it's just they're not widening it. They're just putting in medians, turn lanes, et cetera, and obviously a lot of the underground stuff. Mm -hmm. And you could feel the tension come out of the community when they announced this is the timeline. So it's going to take six months. We expect it to open in mid-June. And because there was a lot of letters to the editor, a lot of concerns. It was a major thoroughfare. But by merely communicating the expectations, people could say, okay, I'm just going to hang in there till June, and I won't have to be terribly inconvenienced. The, our deputy city manager, Michael Stavrez, and uh, the, the uh, chief inspector on that project uh, was a, a gentleman by the name of Joey Murphy the uh, tender loving care, uh, and then our communications director. Uh, those three made sure that we communicated with every merchant, regular updates uh, about the status of the project. If there was a conflict, our team was out there getting it resolved, working closely with the contractor. So was it emails? Was it book face? It, was, it was emails, uh, Facebook, uh, and then we, we always attend the regular monthly meetings of the Main Street Board, okay. which is an excellent, excellent avenue for us to communicate the status of projects. And we have, a, we have a very successful Main Street organization as well. And so it's a team, and you have to communicate, you have to communicate within your team. Constantly. So Constantly. it's not just the operations of putting in the sewer, putting in the sidewalk, putting in the – it's also keeping the community informed – so they know, and, and it's, that's a nice thing, too, because it keeps them informed as to what's going on. They don't show up at City Hall screaming and yelling at the Absolutely. commission. What the hell is going on? Can I still get downtown? Can I still get to Richards in the library the, uh, and, and get a coffee? I still get my coffee. That's you know, right. Don't the, take away the, the coffee. The, the answer is yes. You're going to be able to do that. Um, and so the, um, another big project that By we By the way, have, that's a tough job because, as you know, you deal with engineers. Yeah. Engineers are notoriously not the best communicators, right? So the engineers who are doing the road are like, well, what do you mean we have to you know, make all these accommodations? No, no, no. We're going to do that because these are actually people you're dealing with. They're not just numbers on a page. Right. Exactly. 
That's a great point. I, I want to switch gears with you because you said something, and I, I don't want the time to run out before we talk about this because I think this is one of the more interesting approaches of any of this is episode number 66 that I've heard. You call it political strategy. Um, I didn't get what you said. Now I understand why you call political strategy. Tell us a little bit about your approach to things as it comes to what you call political strategy. Well, the political strategy, I think, is... I think it boils down to you're, you're, looking at, you're looking at the organizational environment of your community and you're saying to yourself, okay, where are the possibilities for conflict and where do we have an opportunity to be proactive and create opportunities? If we create opportunities for communication, we're going to avoid conflict because we're going to anticipate the questions and we're going to address the questions up front. I'm a firm believer. Don't wait for the, the $64,000 question to be asked. Put it on the table and let's confront it. And that's going to build confidence. It's going to build trust. Um, it also, it, it just, it eases the room when you know people are uptight. And so the, um, I'm a firm believer in that. And we've had... So some, some people call that environmental scanning. You say, mm -hmm. okay, we're, we're doing, let's just go back to the park expansion. All right, guys, what are the traps? And when you say political, I think what you mean is, there's different entities, right? There's going to be, you know, different groups of persons who might be opposed to something or might want to speak out about something. What you're saying is you bring your team together in anticipation of these things and you workshop them with your team and say, okay, so the anti-gentrification people are going to come along and say, you're ruining the character of our downtown. How do we answer and address that? And, you, and, and not to get blindsided or just pretend it won't happen, but to anticipate it and work with it up front. Well, yes, and, and um, a good case in point on that is part of, that, part of, the, uh, part of the investment in infrastructure that continued. Uh, the city, uh, city Commission, in conjunction with the Board of County Commissioners and the Tourist Development Council, uh, they were the Tourist Development Council and the Board of County Commissioners were a funding partner along with us through borrowing. Uh, we invested in a probably about a $28 million uh, field house and conference center at the Chain of Lakes Park, which is south of downtown. Uh, and so we talk about strategy. First of all, we want to make sure that even though we're going to have a lot of events here and this is going to put heads in beds, we want to make sure this we have to communicate to the public that, oh, are, am I going to be able to play basketball here? Am I going to be able to run on the track here? Uh, am I going to be able to, uh, is my not-for-profit going to be able to still, am I going to be able to meet here? You know, make sure that as part of this messaging, we want this to be an iconic building, first of all, but we want to make sure that the public understands that this is for them as well, in addition to attracting you know it's funny because we, we, we're doing some projects on tax abatement right which is a tool that cities counties can use to lure businesses and almost always the first question is well what about the local businesses and what you're saying is listen anticipating what those questions will be we need to lead with that so let me give you a good example so we're putting this on the ballot uh right now in st lucie county and uh we just finished it in port st lucie and because of that environmental scanning political strategy we knew one of the concerns, well, wait, 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 what about the local businesses that already operate here? You're going to offer tax abatements to lure in an Amazon distribution center. You're going to lure in that guy. What about me? And so we added to the ballot language to expand target in target industries and to help expand local businesses. Put it right there in the ballot in anticipation of a very legitimate concern. Hey, 
I already own a tire shop. We, you know, we, we do that. Hey, if I can bring in, if this is a target industry, I can bring in more people, high paying jobs, good high paying jobs. I want a, a bite at that apple as well. And that, I think that's the way it would work. Give me a specific example of how you use this, what I'm calling environmental scanning, you're calling political strategy. Give me a real life example of how it worked. Well, the, um, the, let me, I'll give this example. When I, when I came to the city of Winter Haven, the, um, there was a lot of mistrust uh, between the African-American community and city government. And I, I took some time to listen to African-American leaders who, who reached out to me, the, uh, and in return I met with them and listened to what they had to say. And uh, that mistrust had developed over the years because the city would agree to invest in certain projects that would directly benefit the northeastern part of our city, which has a large African-American population. Uh, And maybe the first phase of a project was done, but, you know, phase two, phase three, never accomplished or never started, really, is a better way to say it. Okay. And so... So this, this mistrust was predicated on things that had actually happened. Yeah, it wasn't just I, 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 yes, I, I believe so. I think that mistrust was real. And so we got our team together, and as part of political strategy, we said, listen, if the Lake Maud uh, Phase 1 Park Project, the Lake Maud Park uh, is, is right in the northeastern part of our city, and it is a park that primarily serves uh, the young kids that are African-Americans. Uh, and the leagues that, that support the community. And so phase one was finished. We also made a commitment now that we will do phase two. So phase two is part of a, a bond borrowing plan. So we're, we're coming through with our commitment. We said we're going to do it. We're going to do it. The, uh, so, but this isn't just about communications. It's where communications meets action. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So hear the concerns, take those actions. Now you've gotten rid of the distrust or at least lessened it, so now you can move on to other things. Absolutely. We, we just, and, and so we've continued that with a, we've continued that relationship, building that relationship by investing in other projects that we said we would do. We're going to build a fire station right smack dab in the middle of the northeastern part of our city. Why is that? We want to improve response times. Uh, and we, we own the property. The city owns the property, first of all, so that's a good thing. But we own it, and response times in the northeastern part of our city, we're trying to equalize response times around the city. Right. We've had tremendous growth. And so African Americans are going to be served just like the rest of the community. Uh, so you build trust by being honest. And if you're going to do something, go do it. If you can't do it, say why. Uh, and so... The, uh, the Lake Conine Wetland, Wetland Treatment Project, wet, Wetland Treatment System Project, uh, had difficulty getting off, the, getting off the shelf. Wait a minute, how much is it going to cost? Let's find a funding strategy. And so we have completed that project, said we would do it, we did it. Now we're going to add the recreation element to that project. We're going to have a walking trail. We're going to have some, some boardwalks, and we're going to have a, a great place for, for people to enjoy. So it's part... You build trust by executing. Now, here's the, here is the best, best part of this message. The, in 2020, I think it was 2020, maybe it was 2019, the 
I wanted to build the relationship that we had with the African-American community, uh, with ministers, with people in the neighborhood, neighborhoods, uh, with the small business owners. So I created a position, a director of diversity and inclusivity. Uh, and we went through a, an exhaustive process uh, for, for recruiting. We hired uh, Christine Samuel, uh, who is our current diversity and inclusivity director. The difficulty about building trust, and it took me a while, it took me a while to understand this because I thought, well, okay, I, I think I'm an honest person. If I say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. Uh, well, uh, Mike, not so fast. Not everybody's going to believe that. And so I'm like, wow. And I looked around at the leadership team, and I felt like we didn't have enough diversity. We had some. We've heard, we've heard, and we did another one with somebody who was specializing in it and said if, if somebody of color, for example, walks in and all they see are a bunch of middle-aged white guys, they're not going to feel, no matter what words come out of your mouth, what, no matter action, they're not going to feel they, they belong. And they're not going to feel comfortable. So, and the, the two things I've learned about diversity and inclusion is you, you must live that uh, within your organization. Absolutely. Um, but also you have to be intentional about it. It can't just happen. You can't just send out resumes and hope a diverse workforce will come in, especially if, if you're already a non-diverse workforce, people are not going to feel welcome to apply. So you have to go out and, and, and do exactly what you said you did. Do it with intentionality. You do. And, and so what I, said to, what I said to my deputy city manager and HR director and other members of my team, I said, look, we've got to, we do have to make this intentional, and we need an African-American person, a person of color, on our team when we go out to, Flor when we go out to yeah. the northeast part of our city. Okay, the uh, you're gonna you could do your by 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 merely who you are and who you bring and showing this is my leadership team, you 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 change the dynamics of, of you that. do, and so my point is this: the, we also have a dynamite Mark uh, Public Affairs and Communications Director which is hard. The uh, so she figured out that there was a strategy that we could the post the postal service the uh, will allow you to. Uh, the pay a fee, and we can send a postcard to like 5,000 residents if we define the area. So we define the area, and so we sent out 5,000 postcards uh, informing uh, citizens who lived in the northeastern part of our city that we we're going to have two meetings to talk about either repurposing the existing Winter Haven Recreation Cultural Center, which is right in the heart of the northeastern part of the city, which is primarily African-American, uh, or uh, we can build a new facility. And so the very first meeting, I, we were, I th the city, we were, we were so proud. And then citizens were proud. We trusted each other. We had, we had about 85 people there. They could, they could vote manually. They could vote on a computer on the way out. Uh, we had a two-hour meeting, and we had a conversation not a debate. That's the goal, man. In this environment with social media and everything, everybody's used to starting at the position of debating. So what was the outcome? Uh, we had two meetings. Uh, the outcome is overwhelmingly the community wants to, let's have a new building. It doesn't make any sense, sense to repurpose a 70-year-old, uh, a 50-year-old building. Excuse me. Yeah. 
something that was built in 1970. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and I remember I, I was a young town manager at the time. I came to Winter Haven. I had heard about this new facility, and the city manager took me on a tour. And I went to that facility. I said, "Man, this is a nice facility." Anybody? I mean, this is it was, it was a very nice facility then. Um, but we can do better. We should do better. We are going to do better. That's fantastic. That's a really good story. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Uh, I, I like I like the approach, and thanks for being with us today. But I like the approach of it's not just the mechanics of the job; it's the the people of the job. You know, the the old joke is um, politics is a Greek word, and you've heard it. You know, where poly means many, and ticks are blood sucking parasites. Um, in this case, you've taken it to the positive, right, which is political scanning, political strategy, understanding what the communications needs to be around a project because it's missed. It's missed a lot of times. And, and I love my engineers. Uh, they're going to tell me how to build the road, how to get the water off of it, how to make sure the asphalt sticks, how to make sure, you know, the, the basis is done. But there are numbers on a board, and you need somebody in that room who can say, actually, diversity, right? But somebody on the board say, well, let's talk about what the people are going to perceive here. And like my, my example in, in, in my hometown, where by merely communicating, this is going to take us six months, guys. This is not going to, I just thought it was a repaving. And when they said that, I was like, okay, I get it. So I'm going to find a new way to go for the next six months. I'll be cones up. It won't be a big deal. It just reduce, reduces the tension and reduces the need for call. One other example, we had a, a minor hurricane come through, but in Tallahassee, we have a lot of trees. We love our trees, sure. okay? Yeah. And our tree trimming policies are very, but we also have above ground wires. So when we have a storm, we have a lot of outages. One neighborhood at 37 power lines taken down by trees, right? That's just one little itty-bitty neighborhood. We have like 50, right? So it took us three days to get power restored. You'd have thought we had become a third world country. And I think part of the failure was a lack of communications, which, you know, I had friends from South Florida who, you know, lived through Andrew and all the others and were like laughing at us. You guys are mad over three days. I said, it's a failure. It's not a failure to execute. We had, we had troops on the ground. We had people out there five o'clock in the morning, right after the storm passed. It was a communication failure. It wasn't an operational failure. I think what you've taught us today, Mike, is you can do the operations correct, but if you don't do the politics of it, the people part of it, you're going to fail. Uh, I, I, I love this perspective. I, you know, now I've been working for the league and FCCMA for over a decade, and it's nice to learn something just completely brand new. I really appreciate that. Well, folks, thank you very much. This is Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. Thank you for being with us.